listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Indeed, welcome to the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist. With 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars, sitting beside me, as always, is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Professional what? Luthier. Uh, this episode, I gotta tell you, is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners, hey, that's you, can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off. That's P-I-N-U-P from ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Did you know that they have a special Christmas roast? Ooh. I know. Look at this. It's called Santa's Little Helper. Notes of sweet fruit, chocolate, spice, and it says it's smooth. Sounds awesome. I know. Yeah, we got to try it. If you're looking for that last minute gift idea and you just don't know what to get, man, that's a great idea. Gourmet coffee. Heck yeah. It's a home run. Yep. Come on now. Every time. Anyhow, what's new with you? With me? Yes, um, you. I'm finish up, fi- finishing up the last of my Christmas orders. I'm just about done. I got two left. So hopefully by the end of this week, I'll be able to uh, finish up. Hmm. What about you? What's going on with you? Well, things have been quiet. Uh and then I realized that my uh, website isn't working. <laughs> so, you know, it's you never... the story of your life. Well, I, I'm just a one-guy operation, right? So right. I sweep the floor, I run the website, I ship the things, I order the strings. There's nobody here helping me with any of that, right? Right. I mean, Melissa's, but she's she's working... Uh, we, we each have our own individual business. Yeah. Right. So anyway, um, updating my website is just a gigantic, terrible nightmare, and I don't know what I'm doing. And you update some plugin, and then a different plugin stops working, and you don't realize that till two weeks later. So if you've been trying to email me recently, and I didn't respond, it's because I didn't get your email. The contact form was broken again. I fixed it today. It should be fine. What else is new with me? I've just been working on custom guitars. I've got 
one more custom guitar to get shipped out here before Christmas and a bunch of uh, odds and end repairs that I need to get wrapped up this week. Pick up rewinds and whatnot. And then I'm going to take some time off. We're both going to take a little time off. Yep. It's going to be awesome. So no podcast on the first. And uh, we are not going to be working for at least, you know, two, three weeks here. Maybe more. Hopefully more. Yeah. We just haven't taken any time off for a long time. So we're we're just going to do that because we want to. <laughs> Anyhow, that's about it. Um, is there any other news we need to talk about? I don't think so. Alrighty. We do have a call. What's up, Eric and Melissa? How you doing? I'm on my lunch break from work. My name is Tom. I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, so I've been listening for a while. Really love your show, but I figured I'd call in. Uh, I'm starting a custom build, and I have a question about fret wire. Um, I'm a sucker for stainless steel. I'm a metal fab guy, so when stainless steel is you know, an option, I want it. But the more I read about it, um, I think that might not be smart to do it as my first fret job. So I bought hmm. some cryo wire from Stu Mac, and I wanted hmm. to see what you thought about that stuff. Uh, is it all hype, or does it actually last longer? Uh, yeah, but I hope all is well. Look forward to hearing the answer. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call. I have to admit, I have not used Stumax Cryo Wire. I've read about it. It sounds very cool. It's just normal fret wire, you know, normal nickel silver fret wire that they've super um, treated with like a super low temperature, right? So like super freezing low temperatures, and that's a common mm-hmm. that's a common thing they they do in the metal industry to to strengthen different metals. Um, here it says at Stumac.com. Frets that last longer and play better without extra work. Right. So it's easier to work with than stainless steel, but it is supposed to wear longer than normal fret wire. Does it? I don't know. It has good reviews. I'd like to try it. I think it's only a year or two old. Um, I would not recommend stainless steel for your first fret job. In fact, I would not. If this is your first fret job, why don't you... Here's what I, that's, that's my main concern (laughs) is, uh, with your question, if you're going to do a build and this is your first fret job, buy a really crappy cheap neck to practice on. Just buy the crappiest, cheapest neck you can get on eBay, you know, and, uh, and refret that first. Fret wire is cheap. Fret wire is cheap. So, um, I would practice on something first, whether you use stainless or not. Practice on something first and then do your build. So make it your second fret job. You know what I mean? Because your second fret job is going to be about 200 times better than your first fret job, I promise. I think he said it was his very first, didn't he? Uh, I think so. I think so. Anyway, that's my advice. But, um, yeah, stainless is cool. It's not not for me. Um, I'm just a traditional guy. You know that. But uh, it's so hard to work with that I just don't use it. Hi, Eric and Melissa. This is Joe and Denver. I have a question for you. Um, I have a Telecaster T-style guitar that has a humbucker in the bridge. And I was thinking about converting it to be a traditional uh, single coil. And if I wanted to do that, uh, is there any 
thing I should uh, have in mind. Any concerns about that? Anything about the hardware or the route, anything like that, uh, before I get going? Thanks. Bye-bye. Yep, you betcha. So that um, bridge that takes the humbucker is probably a different bridge than the traditional that takes the uh, um, single coil. So you'll want to make sure that you you'll have to swap out bridges. So you want to make sure that the bridge you get as a replacement um, it has the same mounting pattern and the same footprint as you know the bridge that you're replacing. So you want to make sure that you get the right bridge. I don't know what bridge you've got, so you, you're going to have to take charge of that. Um, the route should be okay. It should be covered. It's you know you're going with a smaller pickup rather than a larger pickup, so the route should be okay. Um, but you know, I mean, just use use common sense, man. Look at what you've got. Look at what you want to put in there. Everything should be fine. You know, the wiring shouldn't be that different. Everything will be fine. You just need to make sure that you get the right bridge. That's that's going to be the main thing. So, thanks for the call. Uh, let's see. We've got one more here. Hey, Eric. This is Mike in Chicago. i uh, got a question for you. Um got a 62 Gibson J45 that was my father's, and I recently just... Uh, took possession of it, um, and it's an incredible guitar. I love it. Um, but one thing about it that I don't really understand is this adjustable bridge. In fact, I think you just had a question about the adjustable bridge um, on a recent episode, but I just wanted to ask you in a little more detail, how is this thing supposed to work? I mean, is it just, is it sort of like the two thumb wheels on a tunematic electric bridge? Does it just kind of raise and lower the saddle? I, I haven't had need to adjust it yet, but um, so I haven't tried turning the screws, but um yeah, I'm just kind of wondering like how it works. And then the second part of this question is, when I'm looking at the saddle, it looks like the saddle is actually cracked in half, sort of between the D and the G strings, and it seems to have no sonic uh, uh, issue. Like it sounds fine, it sounds great. Um, but one thing I have noticed is that the intonation on a couple of the strings as I go up the neck is, you know, it's not great, and I don't expect it to be perfect on an old flat top like this. But because the saddle is so wide, like it's thick from front to back, the thought occurred to me that, well, if I fabricated a new saddle that was the same width, but I sort of like carved in like a compensation into the saddle, would that help? I mean, I know that compensating a saddle should help, but like, can I do that on this sort of saddle here? Because it's so thick, is that something that's commonly done or something you've done? Um, just kind of curious about that. It's a passing thought I had, so... Thanks for everything you're doing. Love the podcast. Hope you guys are well. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Cool. Thanks for the call. There's a couple different versions of that saddle. There's a wood one, and there's a uh, like a weird plastic, some kind of phenolic one, you know. And then there's, I mean, some some of the old Gibsons actually do have a tunematic, like an, a little, you know, ABR one that's uh, that's filed flat on the bottom, you know, ground flat on the bottom. But um, the most common one you see uh, is that uh, weird white, you know, plastic-ish one. And, uh, it, yeah, it could be compensated a little bit. Um, and to answer your question, yeah, it just, the, the the whole point of the adjustable saddle is you can raise and lower it, you know. It really kind of fell out of favor. Um, it, it really kind of goes against um, traditional thought about you know, the transfer of string vibration to the guitar. Um, I think that, I think that's 
you know, mainly why it fell out of favor is because, uh, it's not really the the best way to do things, but, um, you know, that's, that's how those guitars are and that's how they should be left. But, uh, uh if it has intonation issues, then maybe there's something else going on with the guitar. You might want to have a, a competent luthier look at it because, uh, not sure what's going on. Why, why the intonation's off. Should we read some emails? Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, Melissa and Eric. Though you have probably answered the question in a previous episode, I hope that I am throwing you a bit of a new one. Uh, regarding replacement tuners, I have seen the alignment pins and screws leave holes in the headstock because of poorly chosen replacements, in my opinion, and it drives me bats. I don't have anything against new tuners or upgrades, but come on. Anyway, Eric, my question is, in my peevishness and maybe yours, how do you best repair this damage? Wood putty, a small dowel, and repaint? Am I just being too picky and should just let it be? Let's hear what you think. Love to you guys, as always. Hope you have a great holidays. Thank you. That's from Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, the the proper way to, to fill those is with the right wood. I mean, if you're dealing with a mahogany headstock or a maple, you know, maple headstock, just depending on what you've got there, you want it to match. And uh, wood putty is not really the best way to do it. But yeah, it drives me bats, too. There's no other way, you know, there's no, there, you can't un-drill a hole, so we're stuck with ways to, to fix it. And there's really no perfect way that, that makes them disappear, uh, unless you're dealing with a painted headstock, like, that's, you know, black or something like that. Then it can be filled and touched up, and, uh, that can be done. But, you know, on Fender-style guitars, yeah, where the where the back of the headstock is always just clear over maple. Yeah, that's always a problem. I hate that. I hate it. So here, here I'll take this opportunity to give you a public service announcement. When you're thinking about swapping out the tuners on your guitar, maybe think twice. Is this really the right is this really the right thing to do, especially if you've got a cool old guitar? So many people just are are so cavalier about swapping out tuners because they think it's going to solve their tuning problems. I'll tell you what, it's almost never your tuners. Almost never. If you've got a guitar that's having tuning problems, nine times out of ten, I no, pro probably more than that, I can just guarantee you, it's not your tuners. It's your setup, it's the nut slots, it's the intonation, it's your frets, it's a hundred things before it's the tuners. Even the guitars with the crappiest tuners you've ever seen, like, you know those old Dan Electros with the skate key tuners that look like they were manufactured in a Civil War? I mean, they're the craziest tuners, just a long rectangular box, and then like a skate key coming out of the side. Even those tuners will hold tune. So let's just stop swapping out tuners. How about that for a solution? That's my solution. Thanks, Patrick. Eric and Melissa, hello, and I hope all is well with you and your boys. I have a few questions about potentiometers. Perhaps you could help clear up. Number one, why are one meg linear taper pots used for volume in a jazz master? Do you want to take them one at a time or should we? Sure. Okay. It depends on the schematic you look at. Some, some schematics call for 
one meg linear and some don't. I think the original Fender schematic does call for linear uh, one meg pots. Why? I'm not really. I really couldn't tell you. I'm not a hundred percent sure what I. But when every time I look at a Jazzmaster, a hundred questions pop up. Like, what were they thinking? What? Why the? Why these big goofy pickups that that have such bad hum? Why one meg linear pots? Why two separate circuits? A, ry- a rhythm circuit and a look. This, these get this guitar was not designed by a player. This guitar was designed. F- to some weird set of parameters they've the, well I can tell you what they were thinking they were thinking we're going to make a jazz guitar it's going to compete with you know Gibson hollow body jazz guitars and it totally failed the only reason we we even talk about jazz masters is because other players picked up the gauntlet not jazz players but other players like first you know the ventures and mm-hmm. all the surf bands and then uh, you know hipsters like Elvis Costello or what, whoever uh, played jazz masters. But no, why did they use one meg linear pots? I don't know. It drives me nuts because you go, you, you, you go to turn the volume and there's nothing, 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 nothing. And then all of a sudden a jump, you shouldn't really use a linear pot there. I don't know why they did that. It doesn't make any sense to me. I just, I can't, if anybody can, if anybody can write in and tell me why they used linear one meg pots in Jazz Masters, I'd love to hear your explanation because I can't think of a valid one. Um, other than the fact that, you know, it, it helps to get a brighter sound, but why not use audio taper? Why not use one meg audio taper pots? That's my problem. Hmm. Number two, if I replace a one meg linear taper pot with a 500k audio taper pot, all the hookups slash solder points and grounding should be the same, right? Yes. Yeah, it'll be an exact replacement. Absolutely. Cool. Number three, have you ever installed a volume and tone pot and had them operate backwards even though you followed the schematic correctly? No, that would be impossible. So I'm going to chalk that up to... uh Operator error. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Sorry, Zach. I, do, I don't know. No, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. Okay, number four. If so, how did you correct it? Uh, Not applicable. N-A. Okay. Number five. Can you guess what I did over the holiday weekend? Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, and he says, I did correct the problem by buying a second set of 500K pots from a different source and installing them exactly the same way. I still don't know why the first set operated backwards. Short video idea? Perhaps you could do a few short Instagram videos where you show us how to properly test, diagnose, or identify certain guitar electrical components with a multimeter. Just a thought. Love the show. That's from Zach. Thanks, Zach. Um, it would be physically impossible for you to wire up a pot correctly and have it work backwards. And the reason for that is because one side of the pot is grounded. So you would have to ground the wrong side of the pot in order for it to work backwards. Well, if the pot was made the wrong way? Nope. Can't work like that? Doesn't work like that. There's no... It's not... Um, even if you bought left-handed taper pots, the taper's just going to be backwards. They're still going to work correctly, hmm. you know, from zero to ten. Mm-hmm. If you grounded the right, you know, lug. Weird. And uh, video ideas? Okay. 
I mean, yeah, I'm always thinking of things to do on Instagram video demos. So thank you. Thanks, Zach. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Hope you and the family are coping okay in these testing times. I'm at the end of my rope, frankly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fortunately, things are starting to improve down here. Oh, that's... Where is he? What's down here? He's in Australia. Oh, my God. Yeah. it's Things are not improving here, Andy. Let me just tell you. We're in a whirling torrent of uh, destruction <laughs> here in America. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you watch the news or anything, but, uh, you know, death, uh, death destruction, yeah. political unrest. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Uh, highly recommended. Some gigs are starting to happen, which is fantastic for us music lovers. Hopefully the industry can start to recover. Eric, I have a confession to make. Some time back, I asked for your opinion on altering the drop-in saddle to a more original-style long saddle on my beautifully battered and much-loved 1947 J45. You advised against it, as extending the saddle route may weaken the bridge due to how close the cut would end up to the front side of the saddle. I took your advice for a while, and then the geek in me took over. I studied many old Gibson saddles online, and I noticed some were quite similar to how mine would end up. I decided to go ahead. I extended the slot, added two pearl dots, cut a new unbleached bone saddle, and decided to glue it in with hide glue for added strength. Apologies for going against your advice, but I'm very happy with the result, and I think that the guitar may now even sound even better. Would love to know if you approve of my work or not. Can I thank Can I thank you for your fine podcast? If not for it, I may never have had the drive or knowledge to attempt any of the guitar repairs I've been doing over the last few years. Keep up your great work, guys. It is loved by many worldwide. Have a great Christmas. Take care of each other and enjoy your well-earned break. That's from Andy in Deniliquin, Australia. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate that. As longtime listeners of the podcast know, however... Uh, once you have gone against my advice, you are no longer allowed to listen to the show. You're so blocked. I'm sorry. You're going to have to uh, unfollow the podcast. And, Unsubscribe. Uh, no, that's great. He sent me pictures, and it looks great. Andy, I was wrong. I think that you did a great job, and I think that it's I. I think it's going to work fine. It's not too close to the edge. I don't know. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe it was the angle of the original picture you sent me. It just looked like it was right next to the edge. I don't know. But um, I if I remember right, this is a replaced bridge anyway, and we're just trying to make it more era correct for the proper vintage of the guitar, right? So, um, no, great job. Nice work. A plus on the hide glue. Uh and uh, bone saddle, and it looks great. So good job. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it, man. Hi, Eric. I have Oh, hey, you know what? What? We got to take a break. Oh, that's a good idea. All right, here we go. Do you have any idea what I do with my time? Let me tell you. It's consumed entirely by building custom guitars, repairing and restoring guitars, making custom guitar pickups. I make uh, replica Blackguard uh, Bakelite pick guards. These are all available online. You can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. To see what's going on there, I've got a price chart. I've got, you know, pictures, examples of work. I've got a custom pickup order form. I would love to help you with your guitar repair or restoration or uh, just, you know, whatever you got in mind. Shoot me an email. 
whatever, give me a call. If you want to see the guitars I make, go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. I always feel like I have to spell it. I probably don't. You uh, understand, I'm sure. Anyway, check it out, and uh, I'll see you there. Hey, guitar nerds. Visit MalcoLeather.com to check out a variety of made-to-order leather guitar straps, or you can email MalcoLeather at gmail.com for custom work. Every Melco guitar strap is designed and built by hand by me. Check out my Instagram at MalcoLeather to see examples of my past work. And as an added bonus, I offer free shipping in the U.S. for orders over $35. Visit MalcoLeather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Hi, Eric. I have a nasty hum in my Strat when I have the fuzz pedal on and I take my hands off the strings. I've been told to live with it because it's normal. Is there anything I can do to quiet this beast? It's a typical Strat Mexican made. It's a typical Strat Mexican made with three Texas special pickups. Thanks. That's from Lenny. Yeah, Lenny. It's it's normal. It's normal. And this is a question I fielded uh, hundreds if not thousands of times over the last 20 years. Yeah, when you take your hands off the strings, you're, you're, the guitar is no longer grounded um, because you're the ground. You know, that's why there's a ground wire running to the, from the electronics to the strings or the bridge or whatever, you know, the tremolo claw in the case of a Stratocaster. When you touch it, it really quiets the beast. Okay. With your fuzz pedal on, it's amplifying everything not just the sound of the guitar, but also the hum, right? So, yeah, it, it's, 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 your question's a lot like saying, man, when I take my hands off the wheel of my car, it crashes. Is, is there anything I can do? <laughs> so every time I take my hands off the wheel, crashes. Uh, no, don't take your hands off the strings. They're, you're, and if you do, turn off the fuzz pedal. You could get a, uh, you know, you could get noiseless pickups. It it can help, but then you have noiseless pickup tone, which, you know, you might not like as much as the Texas Specials. Now, some people like it, but um, for me, I'll live with the hum. You could also shield the guitar. It can help a, a little, and it does, but, you know, 90% of that hum is coming from the pickups and not the electronics. So shielding the electronics doesn't really help that much. Um, cause the, the hum is really coming from the pickups. It's a 60 cycle hum that's being amplified, you know, picked up and amplified by the pickups. Uh, you should have, if it's a standard three or a standard five position switch with three single coil pickups, your two and your four positions should be hum canceling. So if you want, if you need a, if you need kind of a quiet, you know, part of a song or something, you could, you can put the switch in the two or four position and that should be hum canceling and that should help, but you're still going to get some ex- extra hum with, with your uh, fuzz pedal on and your hands off the strings. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, that's just, that's just the way it is, man. Sorry, Lenny. That's just the way it is. 
Uh, I've heard you and others say that tone comes from the hands. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, but what exactly does that mean? Like, my hands are unique to me, therefore the way I play will sound a certain way because my hands are different than, say, Albert King's hands? Or do you mean that it's in the way you use your hands? Or does it really mean that the tone somehow emanates from inside my (laughs) hands, like magic? Am I taking this too literally? Should I just put the guitar down and take up video games instead? (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. Yes. That's from Mark in Oregon. Okay. Mark, yes, you should just uh, get a Wii console and uh, take it from there. Um, look, it, it's not. Yeah, you're overthinking this. It's not hard to understand what I'm. What people say when they when they say that tone comes from your hands is there 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 are different ways to manipulate the strings with a pick with your fingers. Um. And you and we're talking both hands here, your left and your right hand. There's there's a, there's different ways to get different sounds out of your guitar just by changing the way you pluck the string, or by changing the way you do your vibrato, or by changing um, any number of things. I mean, when I hear and I've 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 seen it, I've I've heard it. You know, I've met a lot of my heroes. I mean, Jimmy Vaughn has unmistakable guitar tone, okay? He came into my repair shop in Seattle. I was working on his Strat. I handed it to him. He played it unplugged, okay? So this is not coming through an amp. Mm -hmm. So there's no magic here. There's no special amp settings or pedals or anything. I mean, he doesn't use pedals anyway, right? So I hand him his his Strat. He plays it unplugged, plays a few riffs, and it's unmistakably Jimmy Vaughn's tone just coming from the unamplified electric guitar. Well, I mean, it's the way he manipulates the strings. Same with Albert King. You know, I can hear one note, and I know it's Albert King, and it's because of the way he manipulates the strings with his hands. It's not because his hands are unique, although they are, but it's the way it's that he's he has honed his technique to get a sound that's unique to him rather than always trying to emulate somebody else, right? Right. This is what true masters strive for. It's like um if you're a painter, you're going to have your own style. Yeah. And it's not something that you consciously create usually unless you're emanating somebody else. But it's just something that kind of happens, right? No, I think it's something you consciously create. It's something that you that you experiment with, and you consciously create. You you say, okay, why? Well, I when I do this, it makes it sounds a little bit more like that. Or I do this. You know, there's the, you you talk about painters. You know, there's when Van Gogh was alive, he 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 taught painting. Mm-hmm. And some of his students' paintings have Van Gogh's brush strokes on them. And people, you know, experts in the vintage, in the experts in the art world. Yeah. um, I was going to say vintage guitar world. (laughs) Experts in the art world um, have looked at some of Van Gogh's students' paintings and said, this is the touch of Van Gogh here. Obviously... Van Gogh came over and said, you know, here, try this or do this. Or they, or they asked, hey, how do I make this look more like a tree? 
Mm-hmm. And he would come over and show them on their painting. And they, they've said, you know, this, this brush stroke is unmistakable. Well, wow. it's Van Gogh. And that's when I, li- when I hear a BB King note or, um, I mean, even players that I don't particularly listen to or care for that much who they're legendary guys like Clapton and Santana, you know, it's not my bag, but you hear one note and you know, it's Carlos Santana. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's because of the way he manipulates the strings. And I've seen it even in, uh, you know, uh, blues players that I've shared the stage with, they'll like Henry Cooper, who we've interviewed on the show. Uh, he can take any guitar and plug it into any amp and get Henry Cooper's tone. Wow. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. And I've, you know, early on gigging with him, he always had the same guitar and same amp. And then he he sold this guitar, and I it was a 60s telly, and I thought, oh, man, you know, he... He's going to lose that sound that I love that he that he gets, you know. He yeah. gets this sound that I love. And I thought, "Oh, what a shame, man. He's selling that signature sound guitar." Next gig, he brought some just kind of a junky like I don't even remember what it was. Plugged in and there was his tone. It didn't matter. It didn't wow. the guitar didn't matter. Yeah. So this is what it means. The tone is in your hands. It really it really truly is in the way that you manipulate your guitar, just like how Van Gogh manipulated the brush. And the art experts can look at it and say, this is unmistakably the, the hand of Van Gogh in that brush stroke. Hmm. Interesting. Eric and Melissa, what are your thoughts on adjusting the pole pieces on a P90 pickup for a setup? Is this something you ever do? I realize a soap bar style P90 has bass and treble side height adjustments and a Gibson fretboard radius is really flat, so probably not in this case, but what about a dog ear P90? You can shim it closer to the strings, but it has no bass side or treble side adjustment. Do you just adjust the pole pieces on a dog ear P90 for a setup? Thanks, that's from Zach. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they're there for. That's that's why they're adjustable. That, uh, I mean, when they designed that pickup, you know, that's that's why they're adjustable. So you can dial in any volume discrepancies. Um, you know, a lot of people will use a, a, a set of strings with a wound third. Well, a wound third string is quieter than a plain third string uh, as far as the, the pickup is concerned. So you'll raise that G pull piece you'll raise that third string pull piece so yeah absolutely um that's what they're there for you 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 set the heights um to get the right balance across you know from string to string wow cool thanks zach eric and mel just wanted to say thank you for the podcast for the laughs for the energy and the effort you guys put into this whole thing I, and I'm sure all of your listeners, appreciate it. Best to you guys this holiday season, and here's to hoping that 2021 is a much better year than 2020 has been. Amen. And please keep up the podcast. It keeps me sane. That's from Larry. Thanks, Larry. Well, we plan to. I mean, certainly uh, this podcast isn't going anywhere anytime soon, um, except for January 1st. Yeah. There will be no episode. But yeah, we'll be back in the middle of January and we'll uh, keep doing this. And if you submitted a question and you didn't hear it on the show, 
resubmit it because I've gone through all of the questions now. That's everything. So if you ever submitted a question and you didn't hear it, it's because I didn't get it. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show, my email the function on my website wasn't working properly, so resubmit it there. Or if you just need to contact me and you didn't hear back. You can try it now. Now it works. And I'll be better about keeping that working. I promise. So if you want to participate in the show, go to ericdaw.com. That's my website. E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and uh, submit your question or comment there. And I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. That's 757-774-8482. And, uh, hey, we'll uh, talk to you in 2021. See you next year.